Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this special Christmas message talking about peace on earth. Now, I want you to know, uh, I could call this the great Christmas lie because the way we have used this verse, the way we have interpreted this verse, the way it is written on Christmas windows all over, uh, you know, all over America is not actually what the Bible says. And because of the way we have twisted this and other messages to make them more commercial, more palatable, and you know, and all this kind of stuff, uh, really the more we undermine people's confidence in the Word of God. So I'm gonna be sharing some things with, this, with you in this message that may not seem like real Christmas stuff to share, but it is Christmas stuff to share. It's stuff that's gonna help your faith and it's going to help you have a new significance for what Christmas means. Now, I hope you have listened to my message last week about the Bethlehem star. That is so important to understand that, particularly when we roll into this message right here. Now, <clears throat> I want to understand something. When Jesus came, you have to admit that the, you know, these angels made this announcement, and we say that the announcement was peace on earth. Now, if we believe that was his primary goal for coming, uh, then up until this point so far, he's totally failed. Now, let me just say this. And I'm going to help you understand this message, how to apply it, how to get the best life out of it. But I want you to realize something. Ultimately, Jesus will bring peace on earth. Jesus will not bring peace on earth, or let me put it this way, peace on earth will not come because of Jesus coming the first time. Peace on earth will come when Jesus comes the second time. Most people, by the way, have this, this, this illusion or delusion that when Jesus comes back, it's all over. The moment he comes back, everybody goes to heaven. Everybody goes to hell. So people are scared to death by the second coming of Jesus. They're afraid for their kids, their grandkids, for their loved ones who may not really be ready. Well, let me just say this real quickly. Almost everything we have been taught about the second coming of Jesus is not in the Bible. If you want to understand the second coming of Jesus, you want to understand how to be prepared for it. You want to understand how to live in victory and, and enjoy all the benefits of the, of the gospel not only now, but into the kingdom era, read my book, Apocalypse, because the Bible clearly states that Jesus will come back a second time. He will overthrow the Antichrist. He will overthrow the armies of the Antichrist. He will overthrow those who are committed to unrighteousness and wickedness in planet Earth. And for 1,000 years, he will rule on the throne of righteousness where we will actually have justice and just justice based on righteousness is the only way to have peace in society and uh, for a thousand years we will get to see what the earth would have been we'll get to see what the earth could have been if only men had trusted and followed god's teaching so so yeah jesus is going to bring peace a second time but not 
this time. So I want to help you discover what the angels really announce, what that means to you, how that can benefit your life today, and how you can use this to prepare for the future. But let's just go to the shepherd's story right now, because one of the things we want to understand first and foremost is who are these shepherds? Well, historians tell us that these particular shepherds were actually not your average shepherds, that in fact, uh, they were guarding a special flock of sheep because um, all the sheep that would be used for temple sacrifices were kept in one place. These shepherds guarded them. Uh, they made sure that none of them had blemishes. And ultimately, you know, when the high priest would get ready to take a, 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 a one of these sheep into the temple uh, he would check it and and actually he would march it in a particular road and the people could look at it and make sure that it was the right kind of sheep for the sacrifice and now these sheep were a type of what we would actually have in the true death burial and resurrection of jesus now so why is this important well, i'll tell you one reason it's important is because the word of these shepherds would have been highly regarded in other words when they went back and reported to the high priest and to, to to the temple workers and even to their neighbors and friends about what they saw and what they heard it would carry more weight than just the average believer taking that information uh, you know, to their community. So in Luke 2, we have the beginning of this story. It says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, I love the fact that this starts out with one angel and, and then ultimately this becomes so incredibly powerful, so incredibly important that really you just have a whole host of angels showing up and making this declaration. It was too great for just one angel to actually be able to do this. Now you notice it also says that the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now we generally think of the glory of the Lord as just kind of like a, a light shining around you or just, you know, I don't, something like that, something that's kind of magnificent. But the real truth is whether it's light that brilliant light that appears or whether it's or whether it's a smoke that they saw in the in the holy of holies it doesn't matter what the physical manifestation is that physical manifestation comes the physical manifestation is not the glory of the lord it is the physical manifestation of the glory of the lord when you look at the greek word in the new testament for glory it it can mean uh it can mean a view opinion or, or a reality. And so one of the things that we understand, when God speaks truth, God is saying, this is my reality. And, uh, and you can enter into this reality. You can experience it with me, or you can keep experiencing whatever your view and opinion is. But the amazing thing is, once when God brings truth into the world, just like, just like a person getting physically healed, you know, healing is, is a manifestation of the glory of God when he says, I am Jehovah Rophi, the Lord God that heals you. And, and, and so what we're experiencing physically is a physical manifestation of a truth. And so these shepherds are hearing a message from God, and this truth that these angels are bringing to them is so incredible that there has there, it can't invade this space without some kind of physical manifestation happening. And so 
It says in verse 10, the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So he's saying, look, God's getting ready. I'm getting ready to introduce something from God that's going to benefit all the people of the earth. And, and it is good news. It is not bad news. There is nothing to be afraid of. Just think of the hundreds of times either angels appeared to people or God you know, manifested his glory in some way. And right off the bat, he had to say, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. I'm not here to hurt you. Well, well why did they think he was that way? Because they didn't believe his word. You know, all through the Old Testament, they, they never believed that God was who he said he was. Uh, they believed that he was who they thought he was. And so, so you know, he, he's trying to get them settled down so that they can get this message that, he, that, he's, that he's getting ready to give to them. And so he says this. He says, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, uh, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Uh, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, I want you to understand something. What's about to happen here is, is God is making a way for man to get incredible benefit by seeing who God really is through the Savior, but then ultimately by God paying the price that needs to be paid for, for us to have righteousness. So, so Luke, uh, verse 13, 2, 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Now, we don't know if they were singing. You know, we were told that they were singing. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. It doesn't really matter. But we know that if they were singing or saying, uh, here's what was happening. Glory to God in the highest. Now, this is really important because he's saying, there, this thing that I'm going to do for man is so good that it is going to glorify God in the highest. Now, you think about this concept that we have of the glory of God being revealed by a light. Well, what does light represent? Light represents seeing something. Light represents clarity. So if something brings glory to God, no matter what the physical manifestation may be, uh, part of the goal of that is for us to see God in reality, to see God the way he presents himself. And so this is what these angels are saying. Listen, there's, there's something that's going to happen that finally the, the entire earth is going to be able to see God as he is. Now, you guys learned last week that for 2,500 years, we've had, it written in, we've had it written in the stars about who God is, about the whole salvation story. And then, of course, we, we have the law and the commandments, which people twisted and turned into legalism instead of how to walk in love. We've had that. And, and no matter what God brought to planet Earth, men messed it up. Men turned it into something religious, legalistic, or whatever. And so finally, Jesus is coming, and in the book of John, first chapter, it says, it says that uh, Jesus uh, was the Word of God in the flesh. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus was the exact representation of God. Now, keep, keep this in mind. Jesus was God in the sense that he was part of the Godhead and the Trinity, uh, but Jesus was was face to face with God, the Father, God, the Holy Spirit. And so when he came to earth saying, I and the Father are one, he wasn't just talking about a theological uh, oneness. He was talking about everything that I do is exactly 
uh, manifesting the character and the nature of God. If I do it, this is what God does. If I don't do it, then God doesn't do it. So he didn't make people sick. He didn't punish people. He didn't torment people. He didn't do all this stuff that people say. Instead, he healed people. He delivered people. He comforted people. He brought peace to people because that is what God does. And he was showing us exactly who God is. And then he goes on to say, he says, here's the way or one of the ways that God is going to be glorified. In other words, one of the ways you're going to see God as he really is is peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Now, that word toward is really important because this is not saying that his first coming to planet earth is going to make peace among men. He says toward men. What do you mean toward men? Toward men from God. In other words, for the first time since man rebelled against God in the garden, uh, there's going to be peace between man and God. Now, a lot of people say, well, there always was peace. No, there wasn't. And to this day, there's some people that will not have peace with God. You know, the Bible tells us, uh, uh, I think it's, what is it, Colossians 1, 20, 21, somewhere. It tells us that, that we can alienate ourselves by our wicked works in our own mind. In other words, when we don't have a clear conscience, whenever, whenever we don't accept and experience the forgiveness of God, when we don't experience and accept the righteousness of God, when we do not take what God has offered us freely in Jesus, then the real truth is we're going to be alienated from God, not because He is pushing us away, but because we are pushing Him away. And, you know, besides that, it's not just the fact that we have a guilty conscience. We live in a world that has grown so wicked that it does not want God. And so and so you have to realize that uh, we can have peace in our heart between us and God. That peace can give us confidence. That peace can give us assurance. That peace can make us bold. That peace, I mean, it can be the referee in our heart so that we understand when God is speaking to us. But I want you to remember, Jesus said that when he came, he said, don't think I've come to bring peace on earth. I have come not to bring peace, but a sword. Now, that just doesn't even make sense. Well, he's not bringing a sword in the sense that he said in his first coming that I'm coming to declare war on you. A sword is coming because, because the wicked in the world do not want a world that is ruled by justice based on God's definition of justice. As a matter of fact, most Christians I know don't even want justice based on how God defines justice. And so... Like we said in that special Christmas message about the star of Bethlehem, you know, every time, every time that wicked men have recognized a deliverer coming, they kill him. They didn't welcome him. They say, hey, finally, I can get rid of all the corruption in my government. No, they don't want to get rid of the corruption in their government. They don't want to get rid of the corruption in their religious institutions. They, do, they don't want to give up their greed and their pursuit of power. And that's what we are facing in planet Earth today. And I'm telling you, just like Nimrod, uh, well, actually, just like in the garden, uh, Lucifer sought to alienate man from God. But, you know, God was merciful. And then with Nimrod, uh, when Abraham was coming, uh, Nimrod sought to have him killed by killing all the babies. He didn't want to deliver. He wanted to secure his power and his kingdom. And actually, he wanted to find some way for eternal life. And then when Jesus came, Herod did the same thing. They weren't, they weren't 
they didn't have stargazers and astronomers and astrologers. They, they weren't looking at the stars so they could know when the Messiah was coming and rejoice. They were looking at the stars so that they could anticipate his coming and kill him and keep him. Go read the parable that we talked about a few weeks ago. What is it, Luke 20? Where it gives the whole story of creation and the wicked world's attempt to take over uh, the vineyard that belongs to God. So, so I want you to understand something. In the second coming, the reason wickedness is growing in the world, because even Christians who are not confident in the second coming, uh, the ultra-wicked know there's going to be a second coming, and they know the only way they can stop this second coming is by destroying the knowledge of God in the earth and by destroying the faith of believers. And and so many believers are falling for the lies and believing that all this stuff is, you know, the acts of a vengeful God. No, if God had been vengeful, he'd have killed us a long time ago. He sent Jesus the first time to establish us in righteousness and so that because we receive the righteousness of Jesus, we have peace with God. We have authority. We have confidence. So, so I want you to understand something. And, and let me say this. It's so important you understand this. Our flawed concepts of the second coming, you know, are that basically God gets so sick of the world that he creates a tribulation, he punishes, he torments everybody, and then finally he comes back, and at that moment in time, if you're, you know, if you're a believer, you go to heaven. If you're not, you go to hell. Believers don't want Jesus to come back if that's the way it's going to be. Because what about their kids and their grandkids that are not walking with God because they've been so influenced by a corrupt uh, political system, a corrupt educational system, a corrupt medical system, a corrupt scientific community. Uh, they don't want that. They, they, you know, they're scared to death that, that Jesus is going to come back and they're going to go to heaven and their kids are going to go to hell. Well, i got news for you. That's not what the Bible says about the second coming. Second coming, Jesus is going to come back and overthrow the Antichrist and his armies. He's going to establish his throne here on planet Earth and he's going to rule and reign in righteousness. And for a thousand years, we're going to get to find out how wonderful life could have been if we hadn't blindly followed the corrupt, greedy uh, world leaders uh, that sought to destroy us and to prevent the return of Jesus. So <clears throat> let me just mention, by the way, on my website, drjimrichards.com, I have got over 200 free video series that you can watch about almost any topic that you can imagine to help you develop your faith and confidence to live as an overcomer in these corrupt times that we're living in. Also, if you want to go follow that and you're a person who says, I, I am on the I'm on the journey to living as a disciple and you want to go deeper, then we do have audio series that you can purchase, you can download them, and you can make investments in your own life. But also, 85% of all of that money that you spend on those uh, on, on those audio recordings are going to be used to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. So we give you an opportunity to invest in you, to invest in... Uh, 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 others and reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. And right now in the month of December, we got a special going on. So be sure and check it out because, man, you can get some incredible, incredible prices. And again, this gives you a chance to help yourself, benefit yourself, benefit others, benefit people that you deeply love. Now, I want you to understand something. In the Old Testament, one of the most celebrated sacrifices was the peace offering. Now, 
again, again, we took everything about the offerings. We made them legalistic. We made them negative. We made it look like God, you know people were killing animals to try to please God. That, that God, in His Word, He explained that He was holy. In other words, I'm not like other gods. I'm not teaching you to do any of this for the same reason that other religions and other gods teach you to do these things. I am teaching you to do these things because you've got to have something where you engage your heart because if you don't engage your heart with faith then the real truth is nothing happens inside you all of these sacrifices were based on promises that god had made and those promises that god made they were not based on works and legalism this was not a thing where you know if you'll come and make a big enough sacrifice i might come back and talk to you no it was like look i am always here but some these sacrifices are showing you a type of what's going to come ultimately in the Messiah, which you're really going to have. But for now, you have to have some way to engage your heart so that you come to me and you connect with me and you experience, experience these promises that I have. And that's what the sacrifices were really about. And so, uh, so you know, many times a person might, they might have some struggle in their life and so they go in and bring like a trespass offering or you know some type of offering saying look god or, or there could just be a draw near offering it's like look god i just don't feel close to you i'm not bringing the sacrifice in here because i think something you know, i'm not you've turned again i'm just saying i want to engage my heart i want to connect with you i want to connect with with your love again i feel this distance and i don't want to feel this distance and so you take this sacrifice into God, and you're doing this by faith. You're not saying this sacrifice buys this from me. You're saying uh, this is the way that you showed me that I reconnect with you. Well, see, that's the same thing that it is with Jesus. Jesus has already paid the price for sins, but that doesn't benefit us if we don't connect with him. So God says this is the sacrifice that you have to enact in your heart anytime you want to experience any of the benefits of the sacrifice. And so people would bring a, you know, they would bring a, a draw near offering, they'd bring a trespass offering, something where they were seeking to re-engage with God. Now, when they operated faith in their heart based on what God's word had promised, then they would have this sense of connection to God. They would have this sense uh, of peace, knowing that their sins had been dealt with and knowing that God you know, had, had blessed them. And, but, but what's really interesting, they would usually then bring a peace offering. The peace offering was not an offering to try to get peace with God. A peace offering was an offering that was a celebration of being at peace with God. Now, one of the things that we know is that you cannot have, have, right, have peace without righteousness. You can't have shalom without righteousness. As far as that goes, you can't have justice without righteousness. You have to have some definition of how things should be before you can determine what justice looks like. But, you know, Romans 5 kind of explains for the New Covenant believer about this whole this whole peace journey. And it tells us, it says, having been made righteous through faith. See, now, the righteousness of the old covenant was that their sins were just covered up. 
and God didn't count their sins against them. The righteousness of the new covenant is that our sins have been completely eradicated. They've been completely forgiven. The blood of Jesus, if we accept it, will cleanse our conscience, and we will stand before God with absolutely no consciousness of sin whatsoever. And when we stand there, and there is nothing to condemn us because we have, we have accepted Jesus' sacrifice. We, we believe in the price that he paid for us. We are connected to God through our hearts, through his promise, through the spirit. You know, it's real, it's true, it's alive. Then, in the Old Testament, and how much more in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, they would have this sense that because they were at peace with God, all of God's resources were available to them. In other words, all for us, all the promises of God, all the things from which we have been delivered, this realm called the kingdom of heaven here on earth, we are in it. And we, and we are able to perceive that only when we are at peace with God. And we're only at peace with God when we accept that we have been made righteous by the Lord Jesus. Therefore, yeah, and it's more than just saying, oh, somebody else paid the bill for me. It's like, you know what? The bill's been paid, but I, I commit myself to this life of righteousness. Righteousness is more than just a state of being. It's more than just a gift from God. Uh, it, is, it is a reality. It is, it is who I am. It is the power to live a life that is in harmony with God. So one of the things I want you to realize about and celebrate about the Christmas season is that everything about God is based on the fact that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and the King of Righteousness. So we celebrate that there's peace between us and God. We celebrate that there's nothing but goodwill from God to us. We celebrate that all the promises of God are ours and we have access to them and we can have complete confidence. And man, this changes the way you pray. It changes the way you exercise your authority. It changes the way you treat people. It changes the way you live. I just want you to look at the consistency of God's nature and God's intent. Because remember, when the Bible talks about Jesus being the Prince of Peace. That's not separated from him being the king of righteousness. Because he's made us righteous, we can have peace and we can celebrate his peace. We can celebrate this peace offering and we can take peace through our business. The Bible calls God the God of peace. And as the God of peace, he sent the Messiah to be the prince of peace and establish a covenant of peace between God and the Lord Jesus that we enter into through the Lord Jesus. And so he establishes the covenant of peace and that our commission is to go preach the gospel of peace. And the message of peace is this, Christ is our righteousness and when we believe and receive his righteousness in our heart, we experience the peace of God, which really uh, gives us this incredible sense of, of a clear conscience, this incredible sense of what we have in Jesus, this incredible sense of all the promises of God. You know what? I hope you'll share this with people. I hope you'll pass this message on to others. I hope you will, uh, you know, go on. If you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, like it. Uh, any way that you can help us to multiply this to the ends of us, because here's the great thing. 
We don't want a single person believing that's what's going on in the world is God expressing his anger and wrath. We want people to realize he's a God of peace. He's made peace with us through the Lord Jesus. He is not going to deny the, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus because he's in a bad mood. And so share this with everyone that you can. People who are living in condemnation. People who believe that God's mad at them. People who believe that God is destroying the world. Share this message with them. And, and again, uh, you know what? One of the things you might want to do, you might want to start what we call an I-group, where you start taking all these resources we have on our website. You get together and have Bible studies with people, and you start helping people get their hearts established in how good God is. And last of all, you might want to become a world changer with us and help us change the way the world sees God. Help us, help us establish one billion people as disciples in their heart to the Lord Jesus. Listen, we are going to take this to the end of the earth, and we want you to do this with us. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.